Wednesday, the 1st of November. It is the Feast of All the Saints. Let's pray together in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You are holy, O Lord. Make us holy. You have given us the gift of your love and your truth in Jesus Christ. Show us in him the way to holiness. You have given us shelter in your house. Teach us to dwell with one another in mutual love and peace. You have fed us with finest wheat and given us the cup of life to drink. Transform us into the one holy body of Jesus Christ through our participation in the Eucharist. O God, you have given us your only Son as the source and measure of all holiness. Through the intercession and example of all the saints whose memory we honor today, teach us to live as the holy people whom you have called into being in him, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. All you holy men and women, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. We're glad you're along on an All Saints Day. It's a holy day of obligation. Anna Mitchell and I have already been kind of brainstorming this morning about how we're going to rearrange our lives to make sure we get to Mass today and uh, encourage you to uh, make that priority top of the list today as you head out into the world wherever you happen to be. Up this hour, we got lots to talk about. Liz Lev is going to be along to talk about veneration of the saints. We'll get a reflection from St. Bernard of Clairvaux on all the saints with Chris McGregor. Gary Zimak will point us ahead to the fact that, well, I mean, he's not even really pointing us ahead. The whole month of November is dedicated to the holy souls in purgatory, and he's going to share a psalm that's uniquely appropriate for this month dedicated to the holy souls. And then uh, we're going to get into the uh, Divine Office a little bit, too, because Dr. Benjamin Lewis has helped to translate one of the Divine Office hymns that you will hear, actually the Lord's hymn, the morning hymn. So looking forward to discussing that with him as well. We'll do the hymn with, with, with him. It's two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Former Treasury Secretary Jack Lew is the new U.S. ambassador to Israel. The Senate confirmed Lew in a 53-43 to vote with support from only two Republicans, Senators Rand Paul of Kentucky and Lindsey Graham of South Carolina. Lew's confirmation comes as the conflict between Israel and Hamas continues and as Congress weighs how to provide funding to support Israel in the war. Meanwhile, Israel is taking responsibility for an airstrike that the Hamas-run Gaza Interior Ministry claims was on a refugee camp in Gaza. Mark Mayfield reports. The Gaza Interior Ministry said six bombs were dropped on a residential area during the strike that Israeli officials said killed a Hamas leader. The IDF's statement did not acknowledge any civilian casualties that may have been caused by the strike. This comes as fighting between Israel and Hamas stretches past the three-week mark. Over 9,000 people have been killed in total on both sides of the conflict since Hamas attacked Israel on October 7th. On Monday, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said a ceasefire with Hamas is a surrender for Israel. I'm Mark Mayfield. The number of deaths and people missing in Mexico after Hurricane Otis is now almost 100. 
The storm slammed into Acapulco last week as a Category 5 storm. The governor of Guerrero State said yesterday that at least 45 people were killed and 47 remain missing. The death toll includes three people from the United States, Canada, and the U.K. The National Hurricane Center said Hurricane Otis intensified at the second fastest rate in modern times with winds increasing by 115 miles per hour in a single day before it made landfalls. Pope Francis sent his condolences to all those affected and who lost loved ones over the weekend. The Holy See's representative to the United Nations denounced racial discriminate has denounced racial discrimination as well as the rise in religious intolerance and persecution. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. In his statement, Archbishop Katra recalled that the wrongful belief that one person is superior to another constitutes an affront to the inherent dignity of each human being. He said that the reprehensible acts of racism and discrimination against migrants, refugees and asylum seekers are a clear manifestation of this racist mentality which must be addressed decisively. The Vatican Observer highlighted that migrants must not be considered as a political problem to be easily disposed of, but rather as human beings who share the same intrinsic dignity and value as every person. Archbishop Katcha also expressed the Holy See's deep concern for the rising cases of religious intolerance, discrimination and persecution. Considering the many places where religious freedom is severely restricted, he recalled that governments have a duty to protect this right of their citizens as it is one of the absolute minimum requirements necessary to live in dignity. Archbishop Katcha further warned against the fear of otherness that can lead to a quest for one-dimensional uniformity that seeks to eliminate all differences and traditions under the guise of a superficial quest for unity. The antidote to this false universalism, he said, is to be found in a culture of dialogue that recognizes the rich gifts and uniqueness of each person and each people. The equal dignity of all human beings enshrined in the Universal Declaration of Human Rights demands that we never turn a blind eye to racism or exclusion, but that we approach every person with openness, solidarity and love. I am Lisa Zingarini. Pope Francis will celebrate the Solemnity of All Saints today. The Holy Father will give a special Angelus address and lead the Marian prayer with the faithful in St. Peter's Square, as is the papal custom on major solemnities. Because this is happening on a Wednesday, the Pope will not hold his weekly general audience today. Meanwhile, now that we're in a new month, it's a new prayer intention for the Holy Father himself. Pope Francis has asked the faithful, quote, Pray to the Lord that he will bless me. Your prayer gives me strength and helps me discern and to accompany the church listening to the Holy Spirit, end quote. And the Texas Rangers are now one win away from claiming their first World Series title in franchise history. Texas held off the Arizona Diamondbacks for an 11-7 victory in Game 4 of the World Series at Chase Field last night. The teams will meet for Game 5 tonight in phoenix matt i went to bed and it was like 10 to 10, 1 or something it was 10 to nothing when i went to bed they the and, diamondbacks were starting to score when okay. i went to bed i didn't well, I want that, to go to bed but that it's going to be an interesting one because 
you know, Max Scherzer's out for the series for mm-hmm. the for the Rangers, but also Adolis Garcia is off the roster for the remainder of the series. Mm-hmm. But that didn't seem to slow the Rangers down, no. having Adolis' bat not in the lineup because they were just going up and down. Like, what it was it, like five runs in the second inning? Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Was Wait, was Paul... I'm going to have to remember Paul Lockman's sports report from our local hour yesterday. I think it was a bullpen game for the Diamondbacks. It was. Yeah. But it was a bullpen game where, like, people were getting pulled after the minimum batters like just mm-hmm. one guy right after the other at least when i was watching hmm. interesting i see you got the green coat memo today i did matt it's, and anna okay, so you dress like this year round all, all saints day you dress in <laughs> uh fall tones autumn tones year round yeah summer, well i'm a winter, winter spring summer and fall uh, do you know about your colors I think it's called Color Me Beautiful. It's become a big thing now. I'm a winter. Is this like a theology of home thing? Uh, you know what? It wouldn't surprise me if theology of home did something like this in the future. Well, we'll have to find out next hour. Yeah, with Emily Malloy. It's going to be good yeah. stuff. Yeah, today, November the 1st, the Solemnity of All Saints, as Matt was saying, make sure you know what mass you are headed to today because it is a holy day of obligation one in which we are celebrating all the saints, known and unknown. Happy All Saints Day, everybody. It's nine past. Joining us again on the Sunrise Morning Show is Liz Lev, the art historian, guide to Paris and Rome. Her book, How Catholic Art Saved the Faith, The Triumph of Beauty and Truth in Counter-Reformation Art. Liz, welcome back. Good morning. It's good to have you. You know, we're going to be talking about art's role in upholding the veneration and intercession of the saints today. So first of all, Liz, what was it that the Protestant leaders did to knock this down in the eyes of the people? Well, when you think about it, one of the more uh, problematic ramifications of the Protestant Reformation was this idea that we're just going to go to Jesus personally. What do you need intercessors for? What do you need indulgences for? What do you need middlemen or go-betweens for? And it sounds kind of like, you know, you think about, well, you know, yeah, I guess Jesus died for us, so why don't we go to Jesus? But then you realize what a what a group of friends it took away. It's like we're part of a team with this wonderful world of saints. So think about all of the ramifications. There we are, you know, in the, in the Catholic Church reciting what people consider the, the first Eucharistic prayer, but we call it the Roman canon. And we call down all of these saints, and all that's gone. So that company that it stands around the altar in the liturgy that brings heaven and earth together in that moment of the Eucharist, gone. Then you have all of these friends that we've made over the years. They're, they make these, these, these altarpieces where you have all of these saints standing in their own little gateways. And, you know, maybe you have a devotion to one or the other, but you've got 12. So they're all there. We, we lost a sense of community. And there was also that loss of a sense of being able to, to find someone to talk to so you could figure out how to go and talk to Christ, someone who somehow shared your experience. So there's a real loss there that, that the Church, perhaps, the faithful didn't realize at first. Certainly. And didn't the Protestant leaders really do this? They managed to convince many that this was some form of idolatry. 
Absolutely. So it started, this has always been a little issue with the creation of images. It's something that pops up every couple hundred years in the history of, in the history of Christian art when, you know, are people worshiping these images as idols? And as a matter of fact, Cal- Calvin was very hard on the, on the question. He said, listen, these Catholics worship the images the same way that the Israelites used to worship once worshiped Balim. I mean, this idea of this most pagan deities. But what I found was perhaps, what, what I thought was the most clever an insidious piece of bad press you could imagine was when they said, well, you know, the thing is that they keep canonizing priests and religious, so basically they just keep making saints among themselves, and so it's kind of like, you know, watching the Academy Awards where a whole <laughs> bunch of people sit around among themselves telling them how great they are. It's a self-propagating myth. <laughs> that was a pretty effective piece of propaganda. <laughs> yeah, it might work if you did that to Hollywood today. Uh, if only. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just we'll leave that little piece of commentary there. Now, so Liz, what did the Council of Trent say to reaffirm the importance of the saints in our lives as the faithful? Well, the Council of Trent, in, in the final session, along with art. So the good news is that uh, the good news is that uh, art and saints got to be in the same session, which is session twenty-five, and that not only that we should keep. Uh, to, to invoke the saints, that it's good and useful to invoke the saints and have recourse to their prayers in aid. So they should not only be role models, so we can look at their lives and say, yeah, yeah, I can do that too, but that we can expect, because they are already in heaven, that they are in a position to intercede, to ask, to, to help us on our own way. Now, how did the artists of the time uphold the saints as worthy of veneration? Well, I think with the fun part, so so we all know saints come in every shape and size, right? Mm-hmm. You have you have male saints, female saints, children saints, old people saints, married saints. We have saints of all different sorts. What an amazing field for creativity for the artists. So the artists, first of all, are going to be able to work in a vast gamut. But what became really interesting specifically as a group among the artists is that they start showing saints not standing in their little frames and archways and altarpieces. The saints get busy. They start working. So they're either doing things of this world, they're actively uh, interceding or helping or, or, or working, or you see them experiencing that mystic union, that special relationship that they have with God. They see things that we don't see. And so the artists, again, have another gamut of how the saints actually work in our lives. We either watch their lives and say, this is a very inspiring story, I can do this, or we watch the saints as they see something that we hope and dream one day to see. You know, I wanted to ask you about that, and maybe you can dive a little bit deeper into it. I mean, what purposes does it serve then and now to have images of the saints and their relics visible to the faithful? Well, I think it's so funny, you know, when we have all these cell phones where, like, the, most of our memory in our cell phones is mm-hmm. taken up with pictures. In a world of Instagram, in a world of Facebook, I mean, for heaven's sake, if we were ever a culture that we're used to having our friends near and far, we were used to being able to see them uh, in a way that when I, for example, when I first moved to Italy, there was no, dating me, of course, but there was no Skype, so I had to write these long letters. The idea of physically seeing my family was very difficult, and all I had was pictures, like little paper pictures. But what we have, what art does, is that these people are our friends and family, too. These St. Francis, St. Clair, St. 
same same Jenma. I mean, these these people are our friends. And to make these pictures uh, the same way we keep pictures on our phone of people that we love, it's a way of keeping them close to us. So remember, oh, you know what? I got a call. I got to call St. Chiara because I've been thinking about this. I mean, it, it mm-hmm. gives a much more of a real relationship. Can you just speak to the images of the Blessed Mother at this time? So she will get. She gets two chapters because well, she's Mary. She's rather important. <laughs> um, Mary. Mary is fascinating because uh, the one, the real problem that the the Protestants are going to have, and even Luther has difficulty doing this, um, separating. He, he loves Mary, so it's very hard. Luther's going to have a very hard time with this. We can't go to Mary, but as this intercession rule gets, you no know, intercession rule gets laid down. The question of Mary becomes more and more important. And just as a preview to what we're going to talk about, essentially the Protestants come up with a solution, that she was a really great lady because she was Jesus' mom. Mm-hmm. But after she finished being Jesus' mom, that she was just a really great lady who had been Jesus' mom. She's got no other role. She's got nothing else to do. She's just, we thank you very much. Thanks for being Jesus' mom. And now you can just sit in the corner and we'll wave at you politely. Not the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. The Catholic Church, she never stops being Jesus' mom. And she never stops actively being not only Jesus' mom, but when, when, when Jesus sends her to John and she becomes the mother of the Church, she never stops actively being mother. So we're going to see active images of Mary, and then what we're going to see is new teachings about Mary, expanding her role. So where the Protestants shut her down, the Catholics are going to start making assumptions and immaculate conceptions, and oh yeah, you want to see what Mary can do? Yep, exactly. One of the reasons I love being Catholic. The book is called How Catholic Art Saved the Faith, the Triumph of Beauty and Truth and Counter-Reformation Art. We've been talking to the author, Liz Lev. Liz, it's linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thank you so much. Thank you. You bet. All right. It's 17 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with headlines right after this. Support is for MediShare. Let's see. If something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into. And that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save many families up to 500 bucks a month. And that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with. You can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE. 844-55-BIBLE. Proclaiming the faith, changing lives. The year was 1980. Mother Angelica, who is hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, orders a satellite dish and transmission equipment. A wealthy benefactor gives her the $250,000 letter of credit she needs to apply for an FCC license to broadcast. To learn more about Mother Angelica's life and the history of EWTN, visit EWTN.com slash Mother Angelica. 19 past. Here's Anna Mitchell with headlines. Former Treasury Secretary Jack Lew is the new U.S. ambassador to Israel after being confirmed by the Senate yesterday. The local Catholic parish in Gaza has been housing 700 people for three weeks now since the Hamas attack on Israel. 
And in this new month of November, Pope Francis's new prayer intention is for himself. So, Anna Mitchell, you uh, sent some pictures around. You know, our families send send mm-hmm. all these like kid pics back and forth. Yep. And yep. I gotta say, I've seen a lot of people nail Saint costumes mm-hmm. in terms of like theme and vibe or whatever. But but Roma nailed like a Saint Therese <laughs> pose. Yep. I mean, it is like it is dead on. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I showed the only her... difference is, is she's blonde. Yeah, that's Therese true. Like yeah, we weren't going to die her hair. That's the only difference. Yeah, I was uh I showed her a photo of St. Therese who famously wrote a play about St. Joan of Arc and played her in it and there's this photo of her got her, you know, her hand on her cheek and she's kind of like stooped down. Now she's in chains in the photo. I didn't right. have chains to put on Roma, but Roma got the pose down pretty well. You can go over to our Facebook page and see it. I just posted it. Yeah, she's against a like a like a rock wall. And yeah, we Roma's against like a garden with bricks. Yeah, but it's you a should very go check it out. Garden, but show us your All Saints we costumes, see your All Saints kiddos. Day costumes. I Some of y'all see. are getting ready for school right now and mm-hmm. uh, doing All Saints Day procession. So we want to see. We want to see who you picked. Go we share them. Creativity. Share them in the comments. All of them, and the Facebook page is linked through sunrisemorningshow.com are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. I'm Father Timothy Shear, and these are Biblical Impressions. The name Jezebel has become synonymous with trouble, and the connection seems to have been well-deserved. We first hear about this princess in the middle of the Book of Kings, just before the sudden arrival of Elijah the prophet. Ahab, king of Israel, made her his wife, and as strong a monarch as he was, she seems to have been a major influence on him. As his queen, she battled the Lord's prophets, she executed an innocent man to gain his fields, she even dispatched an officer to slay the prophet Elijah, and on the day of her death, she remained the proud, unrepentant woman she had always been. When we think about Jezebel, we can only lament the blessings the people never knew because Jezebel's heart was so resistant to the good influences of God and the prophets. So in a backward sort of way, Jezebel could serve as a model for us. She serves as a model of what not to become and what can happen when we don't allow the light of the Lord to shine in our hearts. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Father Timothy Shear. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Chris McGregor from DiscerningHearts.com. Good morning, Chris. 
Good morning, Anna. Thank you, and to you as well. And so our selection for this week's office, from the Office of Readings this week, is for the solemnity of all saints, and of course, our boy, St. Bernard of Clairvaux, would be the saint chosen for this great feast. Yeah, I think he is second only to St. Augustine in the Mm. Office of Readings, having many of his beautiful sermons that lead us into the depth of God's love, our prayer life. So many things to love about this doctor of the church, St. Bernard of Clairvaux. So again, we just encourage people, don't we, to go to the Office of Readings. They're right there for you and join in what all of the church, the Holy Church and unity are praying and reflecting on, especially on this great holy day. Yeah, absolutely. And I love how he takes us right to the heart of the matter of why we celebrate a feast like this of all the saints, because as he points out at the very beginning here, like, what do the saints care if we're partying (laughs) here on earth about it? They're up in Mm -hmm. heaven really enjoying their communion with the Lord. And yet there's so much more to this feast than than simply just celebrating the fact that they are there, although that is a big part of it. Yeah, he's he's saying it's not so much for them, but it's actually a good thing for us because mm-hmm. it brings them up into our memories, into our hearts, because it, when we venerate their, their memories, he says we don't serve um, them. They're, they're, it's for us. I tell you, when I think of them, I feel myself inflamed by a tremendous yearning. Yes. And that's what he's saying, that the saints inspire us. They arouse us our desire to be with them. They're that great great cloud of witnesses that are saying, join us, strive to be with us. Where? In heaven, in the the unity of the Holy Spirit with the Father and the Son and the great Trinity. It's just so glorious, isn't it? It is. And one thing that I I love about this reading is is sort of the progression that St. Bernard has here, because, of course, for the Feast of All the Saints, I mean, we, we often turn our attention to our favorite saints, the saints we know who are canonized, but we are, in fact, also celebrating saints who are unknown, uh, who have not been canonized by the Church, are not on the liturgical calendar, but are saints in heaven nonetheless. And and those would include, God willing, our our loved ones. And this is something, Chris, that has really stood out to me or has really affected me um, ever since the the death of, of my infant nephew um, a few months ago, uh, the prayer of commendation at his funeral, um, which, which prayed that with his death, that his parents would long for heaven all the more because they longed to be reunited with him. And that can be such that can be the first step for many of us in in longing all the more for heaven is to be reunited with our loved ones. That is that is that is so beautiful, Anna, because the thing is, our hearts are longing to be reunited with the ones we love because we want to be whole. Right. There's there's something that's missing because their presence is no longer with us. And so we want to be whole again in what? In their love. It's a union of love. Yeah. So what's what's that whole? We want to be, we grow in holiness. That's what, it, and when we are in heaven, we are once again made whole. 
completely satisfied with such joy and such longing that the, that's what our hearts should be striving for. You know, we often hear, and we hear this in um, St. Bernard too, that we we want to be uh, brought into the glory of God. He says it's okay to desire that, to be in his glory not necessarily to make us a great saint. We want to be a great saint so I can say, hey, uh, you know, I'm one of the greatest. <laughs> right. No, because by being a great saint, we are, we're closer to God. Our hearts want to be so close to him. That's, what, that's the greatness of our striving in this universal call to holiness. We want to get as close as we can. And the saints want to cheer us on because they know the joy and the yearning that uh, our, our, our hearts desire. Yeah, they yearn for us to be with them as well. And so we have, you know, our loved ones, those that, that we knew. But then, of course, like I was saying before, oftentimes our minds on, on an All Saints Day go to those canonized saints, those great saints. Like, how cool would it be to hang out with St. Bernard of Clairvaux? Like that should that should spur us on to greater holiness as well, so we can go chat with him in heaven. I just want to hang out with Zelle Martin. I know she's become such a great yes. friend of mine, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, Therese and Elizabeth of the Trinity, but also uh, Donna Beretta Mala, and say oh, thank man. you, yeah. thank you for being such a witness to life. So many others. I mean, I could we we probably could do this for hours. I know. <laughs> just talk about all the saints we want to hang out with. Yep, That's absolutely. Right. But the thing is, you know, what he says to us, and it's very important, he takes a quick turn when he says, but we don't, we don't desire it. We don't even think about it. Tomorrow is the day to begin again. Or actually right now, right now. begin again. Start thinking about heaven and the saints today. Amen to that. Thank you so much, Chris McGregor. You can find discerninghearts.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Click on the show notes for today and be sure to subscribe to our show notes. You can get all that information, check out the podcast, the video feed, all of it in our show notes every day. And you'll get a little reminder email every morning as we go on the air to go head over to those show notes, see what's going on on the Sunrise Morning Show. By the way, happy All Saints Day. Don't forget... Find a mass to go to and uh, go over to our Facebook page. Share your kids' All Saints Day costumes as well. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. Former Treasury Secretary Jack Lew is now the U.S. Ambassador to Israel. The Senate confirmed Lew in a 53 to 43 vote yesterday with support from just two Republicans, Senators Rand Paul of Kentucky and Lindsey Graham of South Carolina. Lou's confirmation, of course, comes as the conflict between Israel and Hamas continues and as Congress weighs how to provide funding to support Israel in the war. Meanwhile, Israel is taking responsibility for an airstrike that the Hamas-run Gaza Interior Ministry is claiming was on a refugee camp in Gaza. The Gaza Interior Ministry said six bombs were dropped on a residential area during the strike that Israeli officials said killed a Hamas leader. The IDF statement did not acknowledge any civilian casualties that may have been caused by the strike. The local parish in Gaza has been housing hundreds of people for three weeks now since the original Hamas attack on Israel. 
From Vatican Radio, Devin Watkins reports. Over 700 people have taken refuge in the Holy Family Catholic Parish in northern Gaza after the Israel-Hamas war broke out on October 7th. They have banded together as a Christian community with Mass celebrated twice daily and countless rosaries prayed for peace and protection. Yet they are also enduring hardship as water and food supplies run low and the practical difficulties of living and sleeping in a church for over three weeks wear on their morale. One young man among the group, Suhail Abu Dawood, has become a voice of insight and hope for the outside world as he continues to send brief letters that reveal his desire to cling to Christ amid uncertainty and trials. In his most recent letter penned on Monday, Mr. Abu Dawood admitted that he had endured another tough and hard day of the war here in Gaza. At the same time, he took the chance to offer what he called simple spiritual thoughts that avoid the politics of war. I strongly believe that this war is a message for all humanity, he said, but I also think there is a message from God for our Christian community in Gaza. Perhaps all of us after the war, he said, are called to love more and help each other more, like a single family, exactly how Jesus helped and served others. We too, he added, have to sacrifice like Jesus sacrificed himself for us. Attitudes and behaviors will need to change after such a difficult time, added Mr. Abu Dawood. We will help each other with a big and unique heart, serving the people as Jesus healed people. The young Catholic concluded his letter by recalling a lesson he has already learned after an Israeli airstrike destroyed his earthly residence in Gaza on Wednesday, October 25th. I consider Jesus as my true home, he said. Jesus is my home of peace and love in this savage world. And with an eye to the future, Mr. Abu Dawood recalled a quote from Thomas More. Earth has no sorrow that heaven cannot heal. I'm Devin Watkins. Pope Francis is celebrating the solemnity of all saints today. The Holy Father will give a special Angelus address and lead the Marian prayer with the faithful in St. Peter's Square, as is papal custom on major solemnities. Because it's happening on a Wednesday, the Pope will not be holding his weekly general audience today. Meanwhile, it's a new month and a new prayer intention for the Holy Father himself. In the video to accompany the intention, he says, quote, the fact that someone is pope doesn't mean they lose their humanity. On the contrary, my humanity grows each day with God's holy and faithful people. And he asked the faithful to pray to the Lord that he will bless me, saying your prayer gives me strength and helps me to discern and accompany the church, listening to the Holy Spirit, end quote. New details are emerging about the mass shooter in Maine who killed 18 people before taking his own life. Mark Mayfield reports. Robert Card was an Army reservist and he was sent for evaluation in July after he was seen behaving erratically. That's when the Army said Card shouldn't have a weapon, handle ammunition, or participate in live fire activity. Two months later, a deputy went to check on Card twice after a soldier expressed concerns he may snap and commit a mass shooting. That came less than six weeks before the shootings last week in Lewiston, which marked the deadliest mass shooting in the U.S. this year. I'm Mark Mayfield. The federal trial of a former Louisville, Kentucky police detective involved in the raid that killed Breonna Taylor is getting underway. Brett Hankinson is accused of violating the civil rights of Taylor, who was shot to death during a no-knock raid on Taylor's home. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's the Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming. 
And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonricemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonrisemorningshow.com. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me. Leah at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. The Baltimore Catechism asks, after Christ had remained 40 days on earth, whither did he go? Some would suggest that after 40 days in Palestine, Christ went to America. There's no good evidence for that. After his resurrection, he only appeared to his disciples a few times because his resurrected body was, as it were, too beautiful for them to behold for a long period of time. They already misunderstood him, and so he said, When I leave, I will send you a spirit, a counselor, who would teach you all things. And then, according to Scripture, after Christ took his disciples to a high mountain, he was taken up by a cloud, and now he sits at the right hand of the Father. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead, and he will not return from his Father until that time. When Christ ascended into heaven, he went straight there. His heart was so longing to be with his father that it was a straight shot. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan. Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Gary Zimak from followingthetruth.com. Perhaps you've picked up one of his many books that uh, discusses the question of turning your thoughts and fears and anxieties and worries over to the Lord with the help of Scripture. Gary, good morning. How are you? Hey, I am well, Matt. Good morning. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, happy All Saints Day to you. I hope you're celebrating well. Oh, yeah. Just getting started, brother. Just getting started. It's a big day. It's a big it day. is a big day. Right? It reminds us of uh, no matter how we feel, no matter how weak we seem, no matter how discouraged we are, I look at this day as a reminder that I, too, as weak as I am, as imperfect as I am, I can make it to heaven. And that's, well, whatever that's you've what inspires been through, me, right? Man, it doesn't matter what you've been through. Some saints have been right. through a worse version of it and came out on the other side. So, you got that. <laughs> yes, exactly. And that's what, I need to, that's what I need to remember today. There is hope for even somebody like me. Yes, indeed. And, you know, there's hope for those people who have died, Mark, with the sign of faith, and uh, who right. are on the path to heaven but still need a little bit of polishing, as it were, before they go into the beatific vision. This whole month of November dedicated to the holy souls in purgatory. And you've picked right. an, uh, an excerpt from the Psalms that uh, really I, I think is a great reflection, a great verse to meditate upon uh, as we pray for these holy souls. Share it with us. Yeah, Matt, this is a psalm. It's going to be coming from Psalm 42. And I, and I, was, I was praying about what, what I should discuss today when I came on. You know, we're as we enter the month of November, this I think this is so appropriate. Let me just read it. It's Psalm 42, verse 1 and 2. As a deer longs for flowing streams, so longs my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and behold the face of God? You know, Matt, for, for those of us, and I say those of us, because I've been going through this for 
a while now, who sometimes get weighed down by the drudgery of life. You know, I'm, I'm going through some issues right now, some family-type problems, some some spiritual dryness, some some areas of, of drudgery, of, of walking through the desert. For those of us who are going through that, this psalm expresses that. It expresses that longing for that happiness, that peace. It's only going to come from God. We don't always realize that. We're looking for something, this, this emptiness, and we're looking for God. And I love the way this psalm reminds us uh, with this question, when shall I come and behold the face of God? When is it going to end, Lord? And, you know, this month of November, this is a perfect reminder that all these earthly problems, all these struggles, all these temptations that weigh us down, they're going to end one day. And there is hope for us to be able to get to heaven. That's why we were created, to live with God forever in perfect happiness in heaven. And that's the first thing, I think, to remember, that this is going to end one day. Let's do what we're supposed to do and ask for help from those above who are already there, to intercede for us. Let's ask the Lord for the grace we need, cooperate with that grace so that we can make it to heaven. And also, we want to remember those souls who maybe are trapped right now, who are being purified in purgatory, our friends, our family, and pray for them, make sacrifices for them to help them with their journey. So I think this is a great reminder for us that this world isn't all there is. We're longing for something that we can have one day, and we just have to keep our eye on the prize and keep taking it one day at a time. Well, not only can we have it, we're made for it, right? I mean, this exactly. Is, <clears throat> we were created for this kind of union with God, which is why we desire it so much. Uh, I mean, right. that, that verse, as you say, when shall I come and behold the face of God? I mean, that's kind of the prayer of the souls in purgatory, right? They have yeah. gotten to the place where they know, right, that they're going to experience eternity with God, but there is that sort of final purification. You know, there's... When it comes to this question of, of the holy souls and purgatory and this whole doctrine, you know, all we've really got is the language of analogy because none of us uh, spent a weekend in purgatory and came back and give, you know, you don't, you don't give talks on, like, you know, the weekend you spent down there or up there, <laughs> right. I suppose it was. Right, um, right. But, you know, I just think of, I mean, you've got kids. Uh, if you've ever put a, uh, a vacation to, like, a theme park on the calendar, right. there's, like, a sense of waiting uh, yep. of you going to go to the theme park. But then when you get in line for your favorite ride, the 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 anticipation takes on a different kind of character cuz now you're in the park. Now you're lined up for the ride just waiting for the ride. And you know, when it comes to this life, this sojourn, right? We got heaven that is on the schedule for us if we follow and are faithful to the things that we're supposed to do. But once you get into exactly. purgatory, man, you're in line. <laughs> you're in line yeah. for the ride. It's a different sort of character to that kind of waiting, that kind of anticipation, that kind of thirst to finish the job, as it were. Exactly. Ex- exactly. And as as vague as it sometimes seems seems for us, this this desire... Uh, of of one day living in heaven, it's vague because we, we're we don't know a lot about it. It's it's mysterious to us, so it's it's sort of vague. It's sort of hard to put our our, our wrap our our brain around. But as you say, for the souls in purgatory, they're more aware than we are. So the the longing, the the desire to be with God is even stronger. And, and it's really good to know that I can help them in some way by praying for them. I could speed along. Their journey, and we're never going to know until we get there one day 
what our prayers, the effect that our prayers have had. So many of us, Matt, and you know, we, you and I, we, we, I come on every week, we talk about anxiety and dealing with the stresses of life. One of the greatest stresses that, that many of us have is the, um, the, the, wishful, the wishful thinking that maybe we could have done something better. Maybe I could have treated my dad better. Maybe I could have treated my mom better. Maybe I should have done this for this particular person. Maybe I didn't apologize, and now they died. Well, now's my chance to do something for them, to help them, to give them that joy that they seek even greater than I do, because like you said, they're in line for the ride. They get to see it. So what a great opportunity for me to help a soul to get to purgatory, uh, to get out of purgatory and to, to reach that faith, that, that, that desire, that, um, what am I trying to say, that, that union with the Lord today. Yeah, which we have a shadow of, right? We have a shadow right. of this uh, in, in the Mass. We have that connection between heaven and earth. We see with the veil through the sacraments, right? Uh, this is uh, a way that God... Uh, reaches out to us where heaven joins earth, and we make reference to uh, you know the church that has triumphed uh, and is in the beatific vision. We make reference to these souls that are in purgatory. We make reference to ourselves scattered throughout the earth, right, and all the angels and saints. And these are not like it's not like the angels are going to one church, the saints are going to another church, the people in purgatory are part of some other church, and you and me we're part of this other church. Like we're one church, right? We're right. one church. And so we're bound together in that mystery of the Mass, and this is an opportunity for us to to think about what it's going to be like when we can all see and fully witness the reality of what's been going on all along. I'm excited about it, Gary. I don't know about you. I sure am. I sure am. I'm so glad you brought up the Mass, Matt, because I'm going to go to Mass in a couple couple of hours from now, and I will have that opportunity to unite with the souls in purgatory and and the souls in heaven. And, And this is going to be a great reminder this whole month is a great reminder of this reality. We can't see this reality, but by faith we believe it, and and we hope for it for us one day that we will be joining the the saints in heaven. What a great day that's going to be! Somebody like me, Matt, can be hanging out with Saint Paul, Saint Peter, all these great saints in heaven. I I, I do look forward to that. You know, uh, all that anxiety that you and I had in high school about, like, you know, when it's lunchtime, do you get to sit at the cool kids' table? Like, in heaven, all the tables are the cool kids' tables. So there wow. you go. There you go. <laughs> Finally, right? I never sat at the cool kids' table. Uh, nor did I, man. <laughs> I did after, like, a couple of the cool kids left. And now there was room for me to sit down somewhere. Public oh, man. school, man. It was, a, it was an adventure. We got followingthetruth.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Gary Zimak's got lots of great resources over there. Thanks so much, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. All right, brother. Thank you. God bless. All right. More on All Saints Day, a Divine Office hymn with Dr. Benjamin Lewis coming up next. It's 14 till. It's not over. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. I'm Marian Kuharski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. 
Our messages feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy assistance. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. Please find us at ProLifeAcrossAmerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. It's the season of chunky soup and chunky sweaters, which means it's also pumpkin coffee season. And the Mystic Monks have their pumpkin spice blend in stock and ready for you to enjoy. And when you go to the Monks through sunrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on any flavor coffee or tea that you buy. Why shell out five bucks for a tall PSL when you can customize your own at home and drink it from a Sunrise Morning Show mug that you can find in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee through sunrisemorningshow.com. The Messy Family Podcast empowers mom and dads to embrace their sacred calling by helping you become a good parent and a great spouse. You can hear the Messy Family Podcast as well as faith-filled podcasts from our friends and affiliates across the nation, all in one place, all free at EWTN Podcast Central. Visit EWTNradio.net slash podcasts today. Sunrise Morning Show continues, and it's always fun to catch up with Dr. Benjamin Lewis, Director of Translation Services for the International Commission on English in the Liturgy, online at isolweb.org. Dr. Lewis, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Good to be so, back. It's always fun when we get to do in these segments something that is appropriate to the liturgical season. So what do you have for us today? So today I thought we would look ahead to later in the week. Uh, we've got coming up the Feast of All Saints. And I wanted to look again at a at a hymn, uh, and since it's a morning show, uh, maybe we can look at the the hymn for morning prayer, Lauds. That sounds for the great feast to of me. all saints. Now I know with some of these, there have been sort of placeholder hymns, um, exactly, rather than the translation. So is this one of those cases where you took the placeholder hymn and you went back and said, "Well, let's go translate what the original Latin hymn is"? Is that one of these cases? It's exactly exactly right. All right. Yeah. So, what so do we have. This is this is the before brand new. and after. This <laughs> right. is like an infomercial, right? Sure, right. So the before him, if you turn to morning prayer now, uh, in uh, in the current version of the Liturgy of the Hours for November first, Feast of All Saints, you have uh, a, a nice hymn, uh, but not a translation of the Latin. It goes, "Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see our God. The secret of the Lord is theirs; their soul is Christ's abode." The Lord who left the heavens, our life and peace to bring, to dwell in lowliness with men, their pattern and their king. Still to the lowly soul he doth himself impart, and for his dwelling and his throne chooseth the pure in heart. Lord, we thy presence seek, may ours this blessing be. Give us a pure and lowly heart, a temple fit for thee. So, nice hymn. That's pretty Um, good. You know, yeah. you know, I find that with with a lot of these, the befores are not bad. You know, I mean, the no, they're not bad good most of the time. Yeah, they are. But this is this is a translation of the Latin uh, that the church proposes for us to sing. Um, 
for this. It's a it's a 10th century hymn called G- O Jesus, Savior of the World. So this is a, a Latin text that goes back to the 10th century. Which, oh, by Jesus. the way, if people know, um, is around the time that All Souls especially became much more of a thing, that, that uh, celebration of this autumn triduum began to materialize a little bit more. Right. So here's, here's the new translation. O Jesus, Savior of the world, come help and strengthen your redeemed. God's loving mother, hear our prayer that those who suffer may be saved. Let angels gathered in their choirs, the ranks of holy patriarchs and prophets who with merits shine, implore forgiveness for our sin. Then let the Baptist sent before and Peter bearing heavenly keys with all the apostolic band come set us free from bonds of guilt. Let martyrs come in sacred choir and holy virgins chaste and pure let priests, all faithful till the end, come wash us clean from every fault. Send monks and nuns with timely aid and all who dwell in heaven above to hear the prayers we humbly make and beg for us the prize of life. All glory be to you, O Christ, the Father and the Spirit blessed, whose presence filled with wondrous light gives joy to saints forevermore. Amen. Okay, so I have chills, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> uh, so the previous one was pretty great, right? Yeah, yeah. But what you see in this one, and I don't know, I mean, I don't know if listeners picked up on this, but I picked up on it immediately. There's a progression from the top mm-hmm. down. Yeah. Exactly. With Jesus, then Mary, mm-hmm. then the angels, the patriarchs, <laughs> yes. the prophets, John the Baptist, Peter, then after Peter, the apostles, after the apostles, yes. all the martyrs, all the virgins, then the priests, then basically all monks and nuns. I yeah. mean, this sort of like divine, it's like listing the choirs of angels or something. It's yeah. Like, yeah. It's, the, it's this sort of like the whole thing funnels from the top down yeah. to like eventually you and me. Yeah. Yeah. So that's exactly right. You. It's like you're getting a picture of the entire train of the redeemed starting with the head of the church jesus christ himself and going through all the the categories of of angels and saints from the top down it's like you're seeing this great long line of um of the saints well Um, what's interesting is that that's how the litany of the saints kind of goes too exactly normally like with starting with Jesus, Mary, and then you go with the big ones, and it kind of filters yeah. down, mm-hmm. sort of group by group. Yeah. So this, yeah, this is like a litany. It's it's reminiscent of the Te Deum. Uh, you, it, you're, yeah. There's so many different uh, ways that this resonates with other parts of the liturgy. So yeah, this is the text that um, that we have in Latin, and uh, which you can now uh, you can now sing these hymns. So can I tap into as we as we close this out here, uh, your experience because you're a convert and you came from Methodist roots and we didn't really do All Saints Day, and <laughs> exactly. so we didn't really think about ourselves being part of like all this this sort of train, right? Yeah. <laughs> this procession. Like, what was it like to you as someone who didn't grow up with All Saints Day to work through and sort of figure out this bigger, this massive picture of this whole church in heaven cheering us? on here on earth 
Yeah, it was both a challenge uh, and a great blessing for me personally. I think this this hymn sort of is it's right on the it's right on the cusp of you know you could ask why why are we saying you know to the apostolic band come set us free from bonds of guilt that sounds an awful lot like we're asking the saints to save us rather than asking christ to save us but really when it comes down to is we're asking them hear the prayers we humbly make and beg for us the prize of life we're asking them simply to pray for us pray to god pray to christ for us that's what we're really expecting of them. So it's a really wonderful thing to think we can not only ask Christians here on earth to pray for us, but we can even ask the saints in heaven to pray for us. And that's sort of a, that opens up whole new um, doors for uh, thinking about what it means to be a Christian and how to how to live in, in this long train of, of the redeemed. You makes you realize you're much of a part of a much bigger church than you thought before. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. Dr. Benjamin Lewis, we've got isolweb.org linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you. You too, Matt. And as we uh, finish up this hour, heading into another hour, Anna Mitchell, I've been posting over on our YouTube channel um, mm-hmm. where we've got the live feed of the show. In the chat, I've been doing a litany of saints with nice. quirky patronages because all these people have experienced weird stuff. And therefore, they know what to do when people who on the, on Earth experience them. You know what is a great book for that exact idea is Pray For Us by Meg Hunter-Kilmer. Oh, of course. People in the pipeline who have had weird crazy, weird lives. Yeah. They're a good Saint one to Narcissus, go check Narcissus, patron against mosquito bites, Pray For Us. St. Theobald, patron of church janitors, Okay, pray maybe for that's us. not what Meg is covering. St. Kentigern, patron of salmon, pray for us. I was thinking of more serious quirks. <laughs> well, we'll have to address those next hour. It's three minutes till. Continue on this Wednesday, the 1st of November, the Feast of All Saints, by praying together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Almighty, ever-living God, by whose gift we venerate in one celebration the merits of all the saints, bestow on us, we pray, through the prayers of so many intercessors, an abundance of the reconciliation with you for which we earnestly long. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. All you holy men and women, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thank you for being along on this All Saints Day. Hope you are either on your way to Mass or going to be heading to Mass here later this morning. Maybe over your lunch break, maybe tonight. Maybe you went to Mass last night instead of trick-or-treating. I have no idea. But Wednesday, November 1st, 2023 is a holy day of obligation. So figure out a way. 
work your schedule around it because if you don't, then uh, something else will sweep in and uh, monopolize that time. Trust me, I know from experience. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Travis is running our video stream, which you can access in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. We'll get more examples from the lives of the saints on All Saints Day with Father Philip Michael Tangora. We'll catch up with Carlo Broussard about, uh, maybe you've heard this before, maybe you've tried to say, like, I don't think this particular thing is okay to do and someone has called you a hateful bigot and you're like, that's not what I mean by that. But then it's too late because the conversation's been derailed. Carlo's got some thoughts for how to get things off on a better foot. Father Augustine Weta has more thoughts on decision-making with the help of the Desert Fathers. Also, Emily Malloy on making bouquets for All Souls Day. Uh, she is uh, one of the contributors to the Theology of Home series. And, of course, November dedicated to the Holy Souls. So, stay with us if you can. Right now, it's two minutes past. News of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Former Treasury Secretary Jack Lew is now the U.S. Ambassador to Israel. The Senate confirmed Lew in a 53-43 to 43 vote yesterday with support from two Republicans, Senators Rand Paul of Kentucky and Lindsey Graham of South Carolina. His confirmation comes as the conflict between Israel and Hamas continues and as Congress is weighing how to provide funding to support Israel in the war. Meanwhile, Israel is taking responsibility for an airstrike that the Hamas-run Gaza Interior Ministry claims was on a refugee camp. Mark Mayfield reports. The Gaza Interior Ministry said six bombs were dropped on a residential area during the strike that Israeli officials said killed a Hamas leader. The IDF's statement did not acknowledge any civilian casualties that may have been caused by the strike. This comes as fighting between Israel and Hamas stretches past the three-week mark. Over 9,000 people have been killed in total on both sides of the conflict since Hamas attacked Israel on October 7th. On Monday, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said a ceasefire with Hamas is a surrender for Israel. I'm Mark Mayfield. The number of deaths and people missing in Mexico after Hurricane Otis is now almost 100. The storm slammed into Acapulco last week as a Category 5 storm. The governor of Guerrero State said yesterday that at least 45 people were killed and 47 remained missing. The death toll includes three people from the U.S., Canada, and the U.K. The National Hurricane Center said Hurricane Otis intensified at the second fastest rate in modern times, with winds increasing by 115 miles per hour in a single day before it made landfall. Pope Francis sent his condolences and prayers to all those who were affected. The Holy Father is celebrating the Solemnity of All Saints today, giving a special Angelus address and leading the Marian prayer with the faithful in St. Peter's Square, as is the custom for popes on major solemnities. But because it's happening on a Wednesday, the Pope will not be holding his weekly general audience today. It is a new month and a new prayer intention for the Holy Father himself. In the video to accompany his intention for this month of November, the Pope said, The fact that someone is Pope doesn't mean they lose their humanity. On the contrary, my humanity grows each day with God's holy and faithful people. And he asked the faithful to, quote, pray to the Lord that he will bless me. Your prayer gives me strength and helps me to discern and to accompany the church listening to the Holy Spirit, end quote. The Holy See's representative has 
to the United Nations has denounced racial discrimination as well as the rise in religious intolerance and persecution. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. In his statement, Archbishop Kacha recalled that the wrongful belief that one person is superior to another constitutes an affront to the inherent dignity of each human being. He said that the reprehensible acts of racism and discrimination against migrants, refugees and asylum seekers are a clear manifestation of this racist mentality which must be addressed decisively. The Vatican Observer highlighted that migrants must not be considered as a political problem to be easily disposed of, but rather as human beings who share the same intrinsic dignity and value as every person. Archbishop Kacha also expressed the Holy See's deep concern for the rising cases of religious intolerance, discrimination and persecution. Considering the many places where religious freedom is severely restricted, he recalled that governments have a duty to protect this right of their citizens as it is one of the absolute minimum requirements necessary to live in dignity. Archbishop Kacha further warned against the fear of otherness that can lead to a quest for one-dimensional uniformity that seeks to eliminate all differences and traditions under the guise of a superficial quest for unity. The antidote to this false universalism, he said, is to be found in a culture of dialogue that recognizes the rich gifts and uniqueness of each person and each people. The equal dignity of all human beings enshrined in the Universal Declaration of Human Rights demands that we never turn a blind eye to racism or exclusion, but that we approach every person with openness, solidarity and love. I am Lisa Zingarini. The Rangers are one win away from claiming their first World Series title in franchise history. Texas held off the Arizona Diamondbacks for an 11-7 victory in Game 4 of the World Series last night. The teams meet for Game 5 tonight in Phoenix. And the birth rate in the United States is dropping. According to the CDC, the U.S. birth rate from 2007 to 2022 fell by 22 The data also shows that not one state reported an increase in birth rates. Some states did experience a slower decline than others, with North Dakota experiencing the lowest at around a 9% drop. Arizona and Utah saw the highest around 36%. Wow. Wow. So now Arizona kind of makes sense to me because that's become kind of the retirement state. So okay. people just aren't having babies when you're in retirement age. But what? Even no, Utah, I mean, like Mormon country, time to get married. You know, around this around where is... I live, it's very rare. You know, we were out trick or treating, and it's very rare to see a family walking around with more than one kid. Wow! 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 Very rare. Wow! 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 Um, so unlike the. Uh, the Annie Mitchell Egan family, which, you know, <laughs> takes up a whole sidewalk. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but. Well, and it's know, kind there's... of, I mean, honestly, I think it's kind of sad that my four is considered a lot. I mean, I came from a family of four, four boys. Yeah. But I mean, I've seen. I came from five kids. There's a range. Uh, I mean, I see them when I go to my parish, for sure. Mm-hmm. See lots of lots of big families. But, you know, people get married later, deciding they're going to have kids way even later that after that. Um, if they want them at all. I've been hearing so many more people that even they're getting married, I mean, even but they in don't my want Gen X kids. generation, right? A lot of people yeah. were like, I don't want kids. 
They it's see one so kid sad. crying in a restaurant. They're like, oh, that's why I'm never having babies. So, so sad. People would rather be influencers and content creators and stuff. But I always say, Anna Mitchell, if you really want to be an influencer and a content creator, yeah. have children. I'm holding up my phone to the video right now. This is Agnes as a knight yesterday. So every see, time she that's, screams you're missing out on that. in the... Every time she screams in a restaurant, I have little memories like Agnes dressed up as a knight. And it's like, how can you... I don't know. They're so cute. If it's through no fault of your own, that's one thing. But if you're choosing to refuse to have children, that's a different kind of conversation. Exactly. Exactly. You should try it. It's crazy. There's no way to prepare you for it if that's what you're worried about. But it's so, so good. It's so, so good. Totally worth it. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Philip Michael Tangora, pastor, canon lawyer in the Diocese of Patterson, New Jersey. Father, good morning. How are you? Good morning. They didn't take that survey in Sussex County, New Jersey. Oh, yeah? You guys got babies there? <laughs> yes, yes. Lots of them. Well, good. I always, I'm always happy about the fact that 50% of my parish is under the age of 50. Well then they're going to need some good saintly examples under the age of 50 to help them along. And I know that's what you want to talk about this morning. That's it. Exactly. See what we did with that? I know. It's the pivot. Yeah. (laughs) There we go. So, yeah, no, you know, one of the saints that I wanted to talk about is, uh, well, she's blessed at this point. Uh, She needs one more miracle to become a saint, and that's uh, blessed Chiara Badano, who passed at the age of 18 from bone cancer, a very, very painful and horrible form of bone cancer. But she, from an early age, was so devoted to God and so devoted uh, to a life of prayer. She joined the Focolare movement, which is a very charismatic but beautiful uh, spiritual movement, especially in Italy, but it's elsewhere as well. But, uh, and she gave her whole life, and even when she was uh, diagnosed with this horrible form of bone cancer, she uh, still did everything for God. She offered her suffering for, uh, for those who were sinners and those who were sick and those who were suffering worse than her, and she really just did everything uh, for God. I mean, now she was born in uh, in the 1970s. She, she was passed... born eight years before I was. Okay. Father. She's eight years yeah. older than me, blessed Chiara Badano. And she yeah. also failed math, just so you know. So it's possible to fail math and succeed at sanctity. Uh, that's, this is very true. You, you know, And you can also fail math and still be one of the greatest mathematicians ever, like Einstein. There you go. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, here, uh, you could, um, yeah, she, she just, she passed in 1990 at the age of 18. Uh, you know, so she's just this wonderful person that we should all uh, come to know and, and have uh, a devotion to and see how young people today, people today, not people 600 years ago, are living a life of holiness. And witnessing, even offering their sufferings uh, in this beautiful way uh, as a, a testimony to the power of God 
in their life. It, there's so much about her story, and you know, Carlo Acutis comes to mind as well. Of mm-hmm. uh, you know, th- there's you know maybe a tendency to put somebody on a holy car card, and you know, having like a serene and pious pose. And uh, you know, if you look at pictures of Chiara Badano. I mean, it's on, like, 90s quality film, right? We all know, those of us who, like, lived in the 90s, what, like, that the film looked like. It had, like, this certain sort of, like, weird graininess to it of her dying of bone cancer on her bed making, like, you know, antler faces at the camera. Um, And if you zoom in on the bedpost, you see, like, a sticker of Snoopy, you know, on, like, her bedpost because she was, like, an actual teenager in the 80s and 90s, right? And that was, like, a thing. Uh, and these are these are people who were, you know, in the world, not of it. They were not, like, blind and ignorant. They weren't living off in some bubble, and that's the real reason they were holy is because they had no idea what was going on in the rest of the world. Now, they knew, right? They knew. They were engaged in it. Uh, they were trying to figure out how to bring the the life of the church into it, Um but they were not they were not swayed by it right they were not like well no. this this world exactly. is is where i that's they, where i've got to put all my my eggs in the worldly basket no they knew what the important thing was they lived for jesus christ and you know whether you're talking about chiara badano who is an athlete she loved hiking she's patient saint of athlete uh, you know in in many ways uh she's especially contemporary young athletes female athletes I mean, here's someone for female sports that they should, every single Catholic school in every girl's locker room should have a picture of Chiara Badano, uh, and they should say a prayer, you know, for her intercession in their games or whatever it is. I mean, she is that perfect example of young, female, attractive athlete who just lived her life for Jesus Christ and saw that even when she was, engaged in sports or uh, or dealing with her suffering from cancer, it was always focused on Jesus Christ. I mean, blessed Carlo Acutis, as you also mentioned, the patron saint of Nintendo, I mean, he's kind of uh, the guy for all that kind of stuff. And, and for, for guys and gals who are into computer programming and, and, and gaming and stuff like this, he is like the go-to example. Yeah, of, and, and Carlo is so, so young and so recent, by the way, that he was he was an even a Nintendo guy. He was like a PlayStation guy, and yeah, you know, so I mean, this is that's uh, making me feel old talking about Carlo. I wish we had more time, Father, but I mean, this is these are just so, such great reminders as we think about all the saints on a day like today to remember that there are possibilities out there that there is somebody listening right now who could end up on the church calendar. But either way, we all got to be saints. So thanks so much, Father. Have a great day. Absolutely. God bless, everybody. All right, we're back right after this. It's 17 minutes past the hour. Support is for MediShare. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for healthcare can save many families up to 500 bucks a month, and that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. 
Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE. 844-55-BIBLE. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Hi, friends. Johnette Williams here. Join me every Wednesday on Women of Grace Live as I welcome New Age researcher and blogger for Women of Grace, Sue Brinkman. Sue and I will be talking about all the wacky things that could distract you from your faith. Psychics, yoga, Reiki, crystals, acupuncture, Ouija boards, tarot cards, and astral traveling are just a few of the stranger things we discuss. That's why we call it Wacky Wednesday. So join us at 11 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. 19 past. Here's Anna with headlines. Former Treasury Secretary Jack Lew is now the new U.S. ambassador to Israel after being confirmed by the Senate yesterday. The local parish in Gaza has been housing hundreds of people for three weeks now since the Hamas attack on Israel. And it's a new month and a new prayer intention for the Holy Father himself. All right. Well, we'll pray for you, Holy Father. I, mean, I, I do pray that anyway. For him every day. Absolutely. I do that anyway. So, uh, in addition to it being the feast of all the actual canonized saints of the church and those who are in heaven but whose names we don't know, it's also the birthday of the New Orleans Saints. Mm-hmm. So, uh, happy birthday! This. Uh, because it was Nolans. on November first of nineteen sixty-six, All Saints Day, when the NFL awarded New Orleans the franchise. Which is why they are named, of course, the Saints. That's awesome. So, I mean, even if you're frustrated at the line or whatever, it's it's still it's hard to root against the Saints. And easy to root against, say, for instance, Ken Craycraft's Blue Devils. I know, right? You know, so when those kinds of things sort of line up, I mean, not that the New Orleans Saints are ever going to play the Duke Blue Devils in anything, but it's easy to cheer for the Saints. Mm-hmm doesn't mean that the players themselves and the coaching staff and the history is all saintly. But Certainly. you may recall Danny Abramowitz. Actually, you'll life, hear about time, that tomorrow in the yeah. next segment with Carlo. But sorry, yeah. go ahead, Danny Abramowitz. Say, but Danny Abramowitz, uh, who's been involved in the life of EWTN for a very long time, of course, played for the New Orleans Saints. Mm-hmm. This is, uh, Saint in the making right there. There you go. So. Happy All Saints Day. To all of you. 21 past. What? Love anything pumpkin flavored and others, well, not so much. But the Mystic Monks of Wyoming are taking care of both of you with their coffee. That's right. Their seasonal favorite pumpkin spice blend is available along with other normal flavors. And when you purchase them after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. 
you can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. A Marian prayer from the Celtic tradition. Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Queen of Grace, Mother of Mercy. Hail Mary, in manner unsurpassing, font of our health, source of our joy. To thee we, night and day, erring children of Adam and Eve, lift our voice in supplication, in groans and grief and tears. Bestow upon us, thou root of gladness, since thou art the cup of generous graces, the faith of John and Peter and Paul, with the wings of Gabriel on the heights of the clouds. Vouchsafe to us, thou golden branch, a mansion in the realm of peace. Rest from the perils and stress of waves, beneath the shade of the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. For Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, I'm Father Benedict O'Kinsella. It's 23 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Happy to have you along with us on this All Saints Day. Our resident Nolan Saints fan is with us now. Carlo Broussard joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's an apologist with Catholic Answers. You can listen to his Sunday Word podcast at MrSundayPodcast.com. Invite him to speak at your parish through CatholicAnswersSpeakers.com. And we've been going through his book from Catholic Answers Press, The New Relativism. Carlo, good morning. Good morning, Anna. It's good to have you. So continuing in your book, we're on to a new chapter and therefore a new woke moralist commandment. Thou shalt not be a judgmental, hateful bigot. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. this seems kind of reasonable, actually, Carlo, because I don't want to be a judgmental, hateful bigot. So there must be something in the definition here. But before you point out any flaws in their definition, uh, just lay out what they're thinking here. Yeah, so basically what's happening, Anna, is any time right-thinking people, and especially us as Christians, ex- express and voice any form of negative evaluation of the lifestyle choices associated particularly with the LGBTQ plus community, we're labeled with these charges of being judgmental, hateful, and bigot. Now, if you think about that, you're thinking, wow, all we're doing is expressing our view that these lifestyle choices are contrary to our human good and immoral. And that's simply what we're doing. And for that, we're charged with these labels, with being judgmental, hateful, and bigot. Mm -hmm. And in the book, I give some cultural examples where we find this. Um, You know, President Biden slapped the label hateful on the Florida bill that was excluding sex education and LGBTQ plus issues, education for K through third graders, right? K through uh, third. And that was, yeah. How hateful and that was, of them. 
Yeah. Right. And that wasn't even an expression of a negative moral evaluation of the lifestyle choices. That mm -hmm. was just saying, hey, we're not going to teach the kids this stuff at this age. Mm -hmm. You also have bigotry charges. I had a friend of mine, a priest friend of mine, who criticized the New Orleans Saints, speaking of the Saints, whenever they lit up the Superdome with LGBTQ plus pride colors. Mm. And he expressed criticism of that and received the charge of bigotry. And I note that in the book. I'm also thinking of Don Lemon or Lemon, however you wish to pronounce it. Whenever yeah. the church came out, Anna, and said, hey, look, we're not going to bless same-sex unions, um, he went on The View. And on The View, he expressed, hey, guys, you know, you just need to break bread with people and get to know people, right? Now, why would he say that about Christians? The implication and the assumption is that he thinks, he says you need to get to know people so that we can understand with how they feel and how they think. So the, the implication is that he's working on the assumption that Christians oppose his sort of lifestyle choice because we think he's ill-motivated, like he's just some mm. lust addict trying to satisfy his sexual cravings. Mm. And so the implication is, hey, if we get to know him and we think he's a good, nice guy, then we'll think his behavior okay. is okay. Yeah. Right. And so he, notice how he thinks Christians are being judgmental and not caring about what people think and feel and we're judging their motivations for the behavior. And so... The bottom line, Anna, is that this woke moralist, this, con this contemporary woke moralist, is saying we are bad people simply for offering negative moral evaluations of these sort of lifestyle choices. That's not even to mention all of the transgender stuff that's going Correct. on as well, which um, you mentioned in the book, uh, J.K. Rowling, who has been labeled, what do they call them, TERFs? Is that right? T-E-R-F? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't remember right. what it means, but um, and and Dave Chappelle in here as well. But let's uh, let's start digging into this a little bit more. So expose the relativism that that yeah. is uh, inherent in this kind of belief that right. uh, that a Christian who believes that this is morally wrong um, would be a bigot. Yeah, and so as I point out in the book, notice how criticism of behavior is entirely off the table here. Mm -hmm. Behaviors are not subject to being criticized to be wrong. Now, if you think about that, Anna, that in and of itself is the essence of moral relativism. In, within the mental framework of moral relativism, no human behaviors can be objectively good or bad. No human behavior is subject to moral evaluation, especially in the negative light. And that's exactly what's going on here in this modern absolute. In particular, these lifestyle choices associated with the LGBTQ plus community are off the table when it comes to evaluating them in a negative light and saying, hey, no, this stuff is contrary to our human good. And so you see how it smacks of moral relativism, not allowing human behavior to be subject to criticism. And so that's one way in which it's an expression of moral relativism today. And it's hidden behind the absolute verbiage of thou shalt not, which makes it a new relativism because it's hidden. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This is going to be an important one to be able to learn how to counter their uh, accusations in a way that does not heighten the emotions 
in the conversation, right. but but help you to remain calm and cool and try to lower the temperature a little bit if you find yourself in one of these situations. But we'll leave it there for now. The book is called The New Relativism. It's from Catholic Answers Press, and you can find it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Click that subscribe button so you can uh, get it in your inbox as we go on the air. Carlo, it was good to talk to you. Thank you so much. Anna, great talking to you. Happy feast day. Thank you. You too. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. Israel says its fighter jets have killed a Hamas commander in a Gaza refugee camp. The Israeli military says yesterday's strike killed Ibrahim Biari, a commander with the with the group that it claims was pivotal in the planning and execution of the October 7th Hamas attack in southern Israel. A military spokesperson said dozens of Hamas combatants were in the same underground tunnel as Biari and were also killed in this attack. A Hamas spokesperson denies that any senior commander was in the camp and called Israel's claim a pretext for killing civilians. Former Treasury Secretary Jack Lew is the new U.S. ambassador to Israel. The Senate confirmed Lew in a 53 to 43 vote to d- yesterday, rather, with support from just two Republicans, Senators Rand Paul of Kentucky and Lindsey Graham of South Carolina. The local parish in Gaza has been housing hundreds of people now for three weeks since the Hamas attack on Israel on October 7th. From Vatican Radio, Devin Watkins has more. Over 700 people have taken refuge in the Holy Family Catholic Parish in northern Gaza after the Israel-Hamas war broke out on October 7th. They have banded together as a Christian community with Mass celebrated twice daily and countless rosaries prayed for peace and protection. Yet they are also enduring hardship as water and food supplies run low and the practical difficulties of living and sleeping in a church for over three weeks wear on their morale. One young man among the group, Suhel Abu Dawood, has become a voice of insight and hope for the outside world as he continues to send brief letters that reveal his desire to cling to Christ amid uncertainty and trials. In his most recent letter penned on Monday, Mr. Abu Dawood admitted that he had endured another tough and hard day of the war here in Gaza. At the same time, he took the chance to offer what he called simple spiritual thoughts that avoid the politics of war. I strongly believe that this war is a message for all humanity, he said, but I also think there is a message from God for our Christian community in Gaza. Perhaps all of us after the war, he said, are called to love more and help each other more, like a single family, exactly how Jesus helped and served others. We too, he added, have to sacrifice like Jesus sacrificed himself for us. Attitudes and behaviors will need to change after such a difficult time, added Mr. Abu Dawood. We will help each other with a big and unique heart, serving the people as Jesus healed people. The young Catholic concluded his letter by recalling a lesson he has already learned after an Israeli airstrike destroyed his earthly residence in Gaza on Wednesday, October 25th. I consider Jesus as my true home, he said. Jesus is my home of peace and love in this savage world. And with an eye to the future, Mr. Abu Dawood recalled a quote from Thomas More. Earth has no sorrow that heaven cannot heal. I'm Devin Watkins. Pope Francis is celebrating the Solemnity of All Saints today with a special Angelus address and is leading the Marian Prayer with the Faithful in St. Peter's Square, as is the Papal Custom on Major Solemnities. 
Because this is happening on a Wednesday, the Pope will not be holding his weekly general audience today. It's a new month and a new prayer intention for Pope Francis himself. The video in the video to accompany this intention, he said, the fact that someone is Pope doesn't mean they lose their humanity. On the contrary, my humanity grows each day with God's holy and faithful people. He asked the faithful to pray the Lord to the Lord that he will bless me, saying, your prayer gives me strength and helps me to discern and to accompany the church listening to the Holy Spirit. New details are emerging about the mass shooter in Maine who killed 18 people before taking his own life. Mark Mayfield reports. Robert Card was an Army reservist and he was sent for evaluation in July after he was seen behaving erratically. That's when the Army said Card shouldn't have a weapon, handle ammunition, or participate in live fire activity. Two months later, a deputy went to check on Card twice after a soldier expressed concerns he may snap and commit a mass shooting. That came less than six weeks before the shootings last week in Lewiston, which marked the deadliest mass shooting in the U.S. this year. I'm Mark Neefield. According to the Centers for Disease Control, the U.S. birth rate from 2007 to 2022 fell by 22 percent. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 past the It's the season of chunky soup and chunky sweaters, which means it's also pumpkin coffee season. And the Mystic Monks have their pumpkin spice blend in stock and ready for you to enjoy. And when you go to the Monks through SunriseMorningShow.com, we earn a commission on any flavor coffee or tea that you buy. Why shell out five bucks for a tall PSL when you can customize your own at home and drink it from a Sunrise Morning Show mug that you can find in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee through SunriseMorningShow.com. Hello, I'm Father Timothy Shear. And these are Biblical Impressions. We all know that Paul was from Tarsus. But what kind of city was Tarsus? We may think of it as a small, insignificant place. But in fact, it was the capital of a Roman province. Since the days of Pompey, it had become a metropolis where the governor resided. It was in Tarsus that that famous pair, Cleopatra and Mark Anthony, gave a number of banquets during the construction of their fleet. Some 60 years before our Lord's birth, the citizens of Tarsus were granted Roman citizenship. Tarsus was a civil and a religious center. It had palaces, marketplaces, roads, bridges, baths, fountains and waterworks, a gymnasium, and a stadium. Tarsus was also a port and a shipyard, and some Roman emperors were laid to rest in Tarsus. But none of this would have mattered to Paul. He was serving the kingdom of heaven. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Father Timothy Shear. Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, and we hope you're having a great feast of all saints. Hope you've got a plan to get to Mass today. It is a holy day of obligation. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Augustine Weta, who's got a book called Pray, Think, Act. It's all about making better decisions with the help of the Desert Fathers. Father Weta, good morning. 
Good morning, and with with the help of the church, right? It, it's a, my mama, or my parish priest always used to say, "You've got to get to mass on every Sunday and holy day of obligation, unless you're sick or traveling by ox cart." Okay, well, I don't have an ox cart handy, so that's that. You that better one's get out to mass then. <laughs> as long as you got Google Maps, you you really ought to get there, right? I, I love how you said my mom, I mean my parish priest told me this, and you probably <laughs> yeah. heard it from both. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, I heard it from my parish priest first, and then my mother repeated it for the rest of my adolescent life. <laughs> well, this is what happens when your family goes to church together. So God bless her. Yeah, she she always said, this is your rent. You can <laughs> either leave home or you can go to Mass on Sunday. And it worked. Go. And it worked, and now you're a monk. Well, speaking of monks, uh, there's a story this week of a monk who was going to, quote-unquote, leave tomorrow. I wonder if you could share that story with us. Yeah, well, this is really—I love this one because it's kind of the story of my life. Uh, But the Desert Fathers said that a monk was tempted to leave his monastery. So every day he packed up his stuff and said to himself, I will leave tomorrow. He did this for nine years, after which God removed the temptation. <laughs> yeah, the, the the Desert Fathers are so human, you know, they're very simple in their spirituality, but it really hits home because, you know, it's the fact is, if, well, I think it was Trace of Lisieux who said something like, if I were to think about the rest of my life, I would go mad. <laughs> so he just tries to focus on the present moment and serving Jesus in the here and the now. And the truth is, when when you're trying to contemplate at least a real life-changing decision, um, that means that your future is going to be different, and the future is infinitely complex. I I was was talking to someone about this the other day who has kids, and she said, I, "There was one, once I had that kid, the whole world changed. My whole perspective on life was completely different. And there's w- once that happens, your whole life is different, right? So how are you going to predict that? <laughs> right. Well, because infinite people have infinite capacity to act on their infinitely free will, it seems. <laughs> you know, we've been right. talking, and, uh, Anna Mitchell had this uh, report, and, uh, you, you know, there's all these factors uh, that one can weigh into why people aren't having children anymore. Uh, in my yeah. area in D.C., people don't have children. They have houses and five dogs, right? They, there's, there's like That's all right. these different things that people have instead, and, and all the ways that people kind of engage in this. And I've heard different formulations of why people would choose not to. Everything from, well, we can't afford it. Well, just so you know, nobody I know who's ever had children can afford children. You just, there's no way right. to calculate what a child would call. You, <laughs> you have no idea. No idea. Uh, and then people say, well, I'm not just emotion. I'm just not emotionally ready to have children. I got news for everybody. No one will ever be emotionally ready to have children. And you teach high school, so you know that no one is emotionally ready for a teenager. I don't care if they've got seven oh, of them. Right? Yeah, so, well, yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't like, predict how all these things are going to play out, and you can't control them either. No. And uh, there's a famous study that this uh, psychologist at the University of Pennsylvania did back in 2005. His name is Philip Tetlock, and he surveyed 
like 300 of these experts, these sort of talking heads from television on like what was going to happen within the next 10 years. As a real simple survey, it seems like, will this happen or not? Or will it stay the same, right? And in his, in his study, he, um, well, actually, I'll, just, I'll read you his actual uh, report. He says, the results were devastating. The experts performed worse than they would have if they had simply assigned equal probabilities to each of the three potential outcomes. In other words, people who spend their time and earn their living studying a particular topic produce poorer predictions than dart-throwing monkeys <laughs> who would have distributed their choices evenly over the options. Even in the region they knew best, experts are not significantly better than non-specialists. And if I just think of the last five years, things have happened that no one could have predicted and well, ten years maybe, <laughs> but um, and so if you're going to make a decision, just just stick with the present moment. How are you right now? And and don't worry about the future too much because there's just no telling how it's going to turn out. Yeah. Well, I, I and, mean, and I mean, yeah. the the one thing you can do is act virtuously, right? You know, whatever the case well, is, right. I mean, that's but beyond, you know, you, you hate to plan too far ahead because that can paralyze you in the moment. But, you know, I'll give right. you a little piece of behind the scenes. So uh, on the journey <laughs> home, the television show that I produce, uh, you know, you've got for years Marcus Grodi was the host. And in the past couple of years, John Mark Grodi has been the host. And there's like this sort of, you know, fake overlook of Rome and the Tiber River and there's these bookshelves in there and those bookshelves I know people probably assume they are full of like really profound theological works they're actually just things that have kind of aesthetically cool looking spines and if you zoom in you'll notice that they're not always that profound but on the bottom shelf there's one I like to pull out uh, sometimes it was a book written in 1981 uh, and uh, it was by uh, let's see David Walachinsky Amy Wallace Irving Wallace uh, they had this book it's called The Book of Predictions and sometimes I'll bring nah. it up to show people because it was like one of those things where they took all these different areas of life and they predicted what what the world was going to be like in terms of morality and technology and all these other things by X number of years <laughs> out into the future. And it's all – we bring it out and make fun of it because it's all catastrophically, like, insanely off. Uh, like because... people will be taking balloons to work every day. <laughs> <laughs> Jetpacks by 1987. You know, like all this stuff that's yeah. not true. Um, right. Well – we when I was predict. in high school, we used to predict that Japan was going to take over the world. And, and, and just recently, they quit predicting the overpopulation because now there's this, what they call, uh, was it a population famine or something? That, like, all over Europe and North America and the West, the population is just plummeting. And they're worried now that there could be enough people, well, actually, in China and India as well. So, I mean, no one knows. You, you just, when it comes to catastrophic predictions, I leave those to the experts and then I ignore the experts. <laughs> well, but if that's the case, then why should we let any of that affect, like, the right thing that's in front of me that I got to do today? Well, yeah, well, you're right, though. It, it does affect that. And the, well, I, I have a friend from Nigeria who used to, likes to say, in these uncertain times, it's important. To say to remind ourselves how stupid it is to refer to these uncertain times, 
Because, yeah, I mean, every time is uncertain. Every future is infinitely possible. So you have to make the best decisions with what you've got, recognizing that when the future becomes the present, it's probably going to be completely different. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Well, Father Augustine Weta, we thank you for your wisdom, which you, of course, borrow from everyone, yeah, from your, your mother to your parish priest <laughs> to uh, your Nigerian friend, as well as the Desert Fathers. I encourage people to check out your book, uh, Pray, Think, Act. Have a great one. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Can't wait. All right. We're back right after this. It's 14 till. Support is for MetaShare. Let's see. If something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into. And that is MetaShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MetaShare to pay for health care can save many families up to 500 bucks a month. And that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MetaShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with. You can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE. 844-55-BIBLE. We know a lot of you love anything pumpkin-flavored, and others, well, not so much. But the Mystic Monks of Wyoming are taking care of both of you with their coffee. That's right. Their seasonal favorite pumpkin spice blend is available, along with other normal flavors. And when you purchase them after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. I pray that EWTN News in Depth will help the everyday life of everyday Catholics by bringing them the news that matters to them and helping them to have the information at their fingertips for whatever it is that they need to be able to engage with the world confidently with their faith. EWTN News in Depth with Monse Alvarado, Friday night, 8 Eastern, on EWTN Television and Radio. Thanks for joining us here on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're joined now by Emily Malloy. She is author of Theology of the Home for Arranging the Seasons. Emily, welcome to the show. It is such a joy to be here with you this morning. It is a joy to have you. First off, just give us an overview of this book. Absolutely. So as you had said, I wrote Theology of Home for Arranging the Seasons. And really in the book, it's a journey through the garden in the course of a year. And although I write in some practical tips on arranging flowers, the heart of the book is really about the immaterial and how we can look to the garden and acknowledge our beginning in the garden, right? We are made to reside with the Lord in the garden. And so because of this, we are built with this intrinsic need for beauty. So it's, it's a journey through the year. Um, calling to mind the seasons and with that at the heart. An intrinsic need for beauty, uh, an intrinsic need for natural beauty. Absolutely. Yeah. So we are going to be talking about All Souls Day 
today. Of course, this is the day that many plan to visit a cemetery, visit the graves of, of their loved ones who have gone before us. What are your memories of doing this, Emily? Well, you know, All Souls Day is such a sacred time and All Saints Day, but in a particular way, there is something so much more tangible, I think, for us for All Souls Day. And we call to mind at this time just that rich influence that has been made possible to us because of our beloved dead. Um, and as a house is home only because of the people in it, um, you know, then the graves become an extension of our home in this way. And we extend those acts of love out to the graves as an extension of our own home. And in my childhood, it, my mother would decorate the graves of um, our, our loved ones, and it was extremely impressionable and informative um, to just how I looked at the whole concept of, of our dead and how it is an extension of ourselves in those cemeteries. Just um, That's our home as well. Yeah, that's so beautifully put. Now, we as Catholics, I hope, understand the importance of praying for the souls of the faithful departed, but... You know, we can do that from anywhere, Emily. Absolutely. So do you think that doing it at graves, though, at their grave site holds uh, a special meaning? Maybe not for our loved ones necessarily, but, but for us who are visiting the grave and praying there. Absolutely. I think it serves as a memento mori in a lot of ways, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but also in that same way of this resting place, right, um, of this, it's, really an act of faith, if you think about it right, because, you know, we look to the the end, <laughs> and, you know, in God's mercy about this, you know, this reunification. So I think that tangible reality that we see in nature, in all that we do, is super important and, and affects how we live out our daily lives. So I, if you, I know sometimes we move away from our loved ones um, and where their final resting place, but <clears throat> I would argue that it's worth the effort to at least make a pilgrimage to go be um, at the graveside of your loved ones. Yeah. yeah, and it's definitely a pilgrimage when you're going to holy ground, such as a cemetery. Uh, why do you think it's fitting that we bring flowers to graves? Well, in that same way that um, it's an extension of our homes, an extension of ourselves, and, and this intrinsic need that we have for beauty, but also that flowers in themselves are just the simplest way of communicating love, of um, taking part in, in God's natural beauty and His creation, and kind of, you know, all the flowers that are a gift to us, you know, as we work with them, it becomes sort of a gift back to the Father. And I think it is just a beautiful outward expression of something that we feel internally. Now, you've had some beautiful reflections here, Emily, but the real reason why I brought you on the Sunrise Morning Show today is for a little verbal tutorial of how to put together a bouquet. Because, I mean, you could always go to the grocery store, the florist, and and buy one that's been already made up. But there's something to making it yourself, don't you think? Absolutely, and because it's an act of love, and there's something so beautiful, we're created in the image and likeness of God, who is a creator, right? So there is just um, a personal joy we can receive in creating, but also, as I had mentioned, it's just that that outward um, display of love. Um, But as you had mentioned, making a a bouquet is 
super simple. Um, I mention it in my book, but I will kind of give a simple rundown here. And so the phrase I typically use when I talk about this is it's like a recipe. And if you have that recipe, you can arrange just about anything. And so I always begin with taking greens. And all you can do is go outside your back door, and there is just a plethora of greens that you can take from evergreen or boxwood, um, magnolia leaves. The possibilities are endless. So you take a few branches of that, and you kind of arrange them to, to create a shape, and that is really going to um, form where you're going to place your other flowers. So to keep it super simple, then I would say, then you go next to your filler flowers, which tend to be like branchier stems, if you could think of asters or spray roses that have multiple little flowers on, on a branchy stem, and you kind of place that into out. And then um, finally, at the very end, you fill out those big gaps with sort of your large-headed blooms or your focal flowers. And if you think this time of year, chrysanthemums, uh, hydrangea, you can even do roses, depending on what's blooming in your garden. And then, you know, to kind of tie it off, um, you can use a rubber band or kitchen twine, anything like that. And if you feel so inclined to just kind of give it um, more of that really um, beautiful look, you can either get wrapping paper or craft paper and wrap the bouquet in that, and it just ends up being a really sweet little display of love. Nice. And uh, if you pick up Theology of the Home for Arranging the Seasons, there is a picture tutorial in there that is just beautiful. I also saw there's one on making boutonnieres as well, which I thought was very helpful. Um, You mentioned a few. What are some good fall flowers to use to take to graves on All Souls Day? Absolutely. There are, it's, you know, the garden is getting ready to go to sleep, right? Yeah. Um, depending on where you live, toward the end, you know, in, in November, I am in the deep south, so sometimes um, camellias are starting to wake up a little bit now. But uh, lots of mums, lots of asters, there's goldenrod. You can even use herbs. I love using herbs. Mm, um, nice. You think of rosemary stems, and they're beautifully fragrant. Um, flower uh, roses are kind of getting their one last little display before. Um, receding into sleep right now. And hydrangeas, some of them are still showing their color and some are starting to uh, dry and fade into the beautiful dried colors. Um, So there's still so much to be had. And it sounds like all you need in terms of tools to do this would be like some clippers or strong scissors (laughs) and like a rubber band or some twine. Absolutely. It is so easy. Whereas other art forms can be, you know, fairly cost prohibitive um, in getting all the tools. You can use scissors, you can use kitchen um, or kitchen shears or, or uh, clippers, as you mentioned. Nice. Well, go pick up a copy of Theology of the Home for Arranging the Seasons. You can find it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com in our show notes for today. Be sure to subscribe. You can get it in your inbox in the morning as we go on the air. We've been talking to Emily Malloy, who is the author of this fourth edition of the Theology of the Home series from Tan Books. Emily, it was such a blessing to talk to you today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You do the same. Thank you. All right, that'll do it for this national edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. Don't forget to go to Mass, folks. Holy Day of Obligation. Happy All Saints Day. We'll talk to you again tomorrow on All Souls Day. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace.